Welcome from All Good Tales, it's Media Moments, a show about those strange, unique, weird and often bizarre times when the world changed forever in an instant. I'm Jack Murray. This week, the story of a December day in 1980, when John Lennon came face to face with Mark David Chapman. Here's a media moment that changed the world forever. The click of a camera can capture more than you know, and often it isn't until afterwards that you realise the significance of what you've caught on film. A simple shot of a seemingly friendly handshake can capture much more than you ever imagined. This is about one of those moments. With temperatures almost reaching 18 degrees Celsius, the weather was unseasonably warm in New York City on December 8, 1980. 40-year-old John Lennon woke up to clear blue skies. He got up and wrapped one of his kimonos around his shoulders before strolling through his spacious white-walled apartment under the ceiling of painted clouds. The sand-coloured apartment building with its high gables and elaborate balustrades was one of the most prestigious and exclusive on Manhattan's Upper West Side. Lennon lived here with Yoko Ono and his five-year-old son Sean. On this day, they were on a high After five years out of the limelight, John and Yoko's new joint album, Double Fantasy, was climbing the charts. But John wasn't going to enjoy this warm December day. Instead, he had a full day of work ahead. After breakfast, he and Yoko Ono welcomed photographer Annie Leibovitz to their apartment for a Rolling Stone photo shoot. Before radio producer Dave Sholin of San Francisco's RKO Radio arrived to interview them, he remembers. The door opens and John appears, does this little jump, jumps up in the air and you know, proceeds to like say, here I am folks, you know, the show's ready to begin. He spreads his arms out and comes right over. He could not have been more upbeat. John spoke animatedly and was excited about the future. I like it to be inspirational from the spirit and being with Sean and switching off from the business sort of allowed that channel to be free for a bit. You know, it wasn't always on. It was switched off, and when I sort of switched it on again, zap, all this stuff came through. So now we're already... Well, we did half enough material for the next album, almost half as much, and we're already talking about the third album, so we're full of vim and vigour. After three hours of chatting, Shonen left shortly after 4.30. His crew packed up outside where the streets were jammed with early evening commuters. A young man approached Sholin. Despite the mild weather, he wore a long coat, gloves, a green scarf and a fake fur hat. He'd been outside the apartment building all day, talking to Beatles fans and the doorman. He asked Sholin if he had interviewed John Lennon. But before Sholin could respond, the man walked away, just as John and Yoko emerged from their home. The young man approached John with a vinyl copy of Double Fantasy to sign. Wearing a leather jacket over a blue jumper, the former Beatle shook his hand before writing John Lennon, 1980. As he scribbled his autograph, another superfan, Paul Goresh, who often loitered outside the building, snapped a photo. This is the only photo ever to capture John Lennon and his killer in one frame. 
John handed the album back to Mark David Chapman and looked at his killer before he turned away and took a lift off Sholen to the record plant studios. John Lennon was born and raised in Liverpool, where he lived with his mother. His father was a merchant seaman who was away for his birth and much of his childhood. In 1956, at the age of 15, John started his first band, The Quarrymen. At the band's second performance, he met Paul McCartney. Lennon invited him to join the band, and that was the beginning of what would eventually turn into The Beatles. The pair formed a much-celebrated songwriting partnership and by 1963 had achieved widespread success in the UK before their debut on The Ed Sullivan Show in the US led to international Beatlemania. There have been huge crowds of teenage girls outside complaining that they don't want to mob you, they just want to speak to you. What do you think about this? Do you want to talk to them? Well, have you ever tried talking to about 200 people at once? <laughs> We'd love to, you know. We never, we, if we all wave and somebody always says, oh, stop by waving, you're inciting them. Despite the hits and the global acclaim, all was not well. John worried that fans at concerts couldn't hear their music above the screaming and that the band's musicianship was beginning to suffer. In 1965, he wrote Help, expressing his own feelings at the time. Is our latest record or our latest electronic noise, depending on whose side you're on. And it's called Help. One, two, three, four. same year John was introduced to LSD and by 1967 he spent most of his time under its influence. In 1969 he married Yoko Ono who he had met years earlier. In September of that year John also decided to leave the band and so Yoko was blamed by the public for the band's breakup. John then became involved in social activism and embarked on a solo career during which he produced the album Imagine. But in 1975, John stepped away from music completely to stay at home and raise his son Sean. But he still had many dedicated fans who came to wait outside his New York apartment building for a chance to get a glimpse of him. Photographer Paul Goresh was one of those fans. He often travelled from his home in North Arlington with his Minolta camera to wait outside and take photos of the former Beatle. The 21-year-old was an intense fan and once even posed as a television repairman to get into the singer's apartment. But over the years, he built up a rapport with John. The two men often chatted, and John and Yoko even used one of Paul's photos on a record sleeve. So when a 25-year-old security guard from Honolulu, Hawaii, was loitering around John Lennon's home, nobody thought it was even a little bit strange. Let's go back to the 8th of December, 1980. Moments after that fateful photo was taken with John Lennon, Mark David Chapman remained hidden in the shadows of West 72nd Street. While in the studio, John and Yoko worked on a song called Walking on Thin Ice. During the recording session, the head of the record label came in to tell the couple that Double Fantasy had just gone gold. They left the studio happy with arms full of cassette tapes planning to return the next morning. Paul Goresh had returned to North Arlington, unaware of the sinister intentions at play. Later that night, sitting at home, 
he heard the news break. Outside the Dakota building, just before 11pm, a deranged fan from Hawaii had pulled a gun from inside his coat and shot his idol in the back four times. John Lennon had been pronounced dead on arrival at Roosevelt Hospital. Paul Goresh instantly knew who had done the deed, the strange loitering man who he had spoken to earlier that day, the man he had tried to cut out of his photo of John. Considering the photo an important piece of evidence, Paul called the New York City Police Department to tell them he may have captured an image of the killer, but they hung up on him several times. The police had no interest as they had already arrested the killer. Mark David Chapman didn't run. Instead he read a copy of Catcher in the Rye while he awaited the police's arrival. Then Goresh contacted the New York Daily News and soon his picture spread across the world. The tight shot of John with his out-of-focus killer in the background was beamed into living rooms and covered the front pages as news of the music legend's death spread across the world. His murder triggered shock and grief in his fans across the globe. Crowds gathered at Roosevelt Hospital and in front of the Dakota building. Good evening all around the world. John Lennon's fans bowed their heads in silence today. Yes, they mourned his death in silence and in song. Thousands in New York Central Park, many thousands more across the nation and the world, marking a 10-minute silent vigil at 2 o'clock local time, wherever the Lennon fans happen to be. Mark David Chapman's reason for killing John Lennon have been varied over the years. In 1981, he was sentenced to 20 years to life imprisonment. The signed album and photo were used in the case against him, but he admitted the murder. He remains in prison today, having been denied parole nine times. Paul Goresh is a controversial figure among Beatles fans. He made a lot of money from his photo, but today he doesn't use his camera much. To this day, he still wishes he could have done something to prevent the murder of John Lennon and stores the piece of film in a safety deposit box. You should never forget the true power of an image. It can create a moment that will last forever, frozen in that random second it took you to capture it. And often, it isn't until afterwards that you realise the real significance of what you've caught on film. The moment a music legend came face to face with his soon-to-be assassin. Media Moments is brought to you by All Good Tales. There's only one way to resonate, and that's with a story. If you need to connect with your audience, we can help you. We help people tell great stories through podcasts, brand newsrooms, PR, presentations, and strategy. Find us on at All Good Tales on Twitter, or email story at allgoodtales.com. Media Moments can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. This episode was written by Louisa McGrath and me, Jack Murray. Production and research was by Anna Henderson. And sound supervision was by Al Dunn at Unique Media. Join us next week for the story of the 2014 Oscars, how Ellen DeGeneres decided to turn the camera on herself. (laughs) 